My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 69 fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. And this card looks a lot different today than it did earlier yesterday because Jessica Andrade is stepping up on one week's notice to fight Aaron Blanchfield because Tyler Santos, the other woman who was supposed to be in the main event, is out, and Andrade is in. And I think that makes this fight a lot more interesting. So let's go ahead and break this card down. But before we talk about this week, let's talk about last night. UFC 284 was good to us. We got by the skin of our teeth. The premium member safety parlay does it again. It did what it is supposed to do, which is cash. The premium member safety parlay gave you 3.65 units of net profit last night alone. And if you've tailed it for the last 10 weeks, you would have 19.53 units of net profit. The premium member safety parlay alone is worth the cost of entry. Our premium is $10 a month. $10 a month. You get all the picks, all the bets. You get interactive tools. You get a DraftKings lineup optimizer. There is no world where you should be paying somebody 15 bucks for access to an optimizer when you could pay us 10, get the optimizer and all the other content. There are people tearing out, oh, $20 for my bets, 30 for my bets and my fantasy. That is all nonsense. For $10 a month, you get everything from us and it is the whole month, not per event. And I'm never touching that price point. In fact, we're adding features and functionality. We have added the line movement tracker for premium members. You have full access to this. It is an interactive chart. You can sort by anything you want, spot the line movement, hop on it, get ahead of the trends, or at least jump on the trends before it's gone too far. So this is up now, and we already have some interesting line movement. Jessica Andrade opened at a minus 190 last night. These have been up for about 12 hours. Last night, opened at minus 190, already bet down to minus 150. So if you're a premium member, hop in there now. If you're not, it's freaking $10 a month. Like, what are we doing, right? I just talked through all the money I gave you, the premium member safety parlay alone. Go to weonpicks.com at the top, click become a member. And if you want 50 bucks, right? I, every day we pay anywhere from five to 20 people, right? Depending on the day of the week and the size of the event. All you need to do to get that free $50 is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have four different sportsbook betting partners. If you use our link to make an account and make a deposit, I send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It's affiliate marketing. They're gonna pay me. I'm going to share some of that money with you. It's very, very simple, very, very easy, and we pay out a ton of people, so come get your free money while we're at it. And don't forget, we have some pretty cool merch at shop.wewantpicks.com. So let's break down the card. We only have 11 fights on this card, and the main event is a short-notice switcheroo, so we have to choose our spots very wisely, and I think I found some, hopefully, we're going to get you some solid bets, some solid picks. And opening up this card is Jamal Emmers taking on Kusain Ashkabov. Jamal Emmers is a very good striker, and he was even able to hang with Giga Chikadze in that fight. He's actually a wrestler in discipline, but he only has a 53% takedown accuracy. His takedown defense, however, sits at a very solid 100%. He took down Giga Chikadze twice in that split decision loss, and Vince Cachero five times in that win. He's coming off the first round submission loss to Pat Sabatini, where he rocked Pat 
but then he was caught in that heel hook shortly after. Kusain Ashkabov is an undefeated prospect that is very good everywhere. He's a Chechen wrestler at his core with wild striking and slick grappling. He likes to start fights with heavy leg kicks and then throw to the head to close that distance and work in some takedowns. His takedowns are impressive. He can shoot a double or scoop you up when you're against the cage. He's very talented, very fast, and dangerous. And I love Kusain in this spot. Jamal's got power in his hands and he can wrestle. But as we've said before, there are levels to wrestling. I see Kusain is just a different level. The Chechen wrestler is better than whatever Jamal Embers has going on. That's no offense to him. But these people wrestle every minute of their entire life leading up to their professional MMA careers. And I think we're going to see that difference here. I think he wins this fight almost any way that he wants to, or at least anywhere that he wants to. He can hang with the striking, definitely create those scrambles, some early wrestling, and potentially a submission. I have a two-unit money line bet on him at minus 156. If we are gifted a one-and-a-half round line, I am going to bet the over there. Hopefully, they give us a one-and-a-half round line. If they give us two-and-a-half, I don't know if I'm going to touch it, but if they give us a one-and-a-half, I do think it's an over. Jamal is tough. Jamal's solid. He does have decent takedown defense, which may hold up for the first or second takedown. But Hussein's the pick. I got the bet on him already at minus 156. Then we have AJ Fletcher, who's always a pain in the ass to break down and figure out. He's taking on Themba Gorimbo. AJ Fletcher's a powerful wrestler. He's got dynamic striking. And when you break down his film, you're going to see a lot of knockdowns, a lot of knockouts. Everything from head kicks to overhand rights, but he's not a striker. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's got solid grappling. He does a really good job with his takedowns where he's going to attack on your feet. And as soon as you fire back, he is going to drop and shoot and run right through you with that power and that speed. Once he hits the ground, he just starts pounding away. And he's so fast that any movement from his opponents is like an opening for him to change positions. So he's just pounding away. As somebody moves their hips, he's... Bang, side control. But like, it is crazy how fast and talented he can be. But, but, he is coming off that loss to Ange Lusa, where if that is the only fight of AJ Fletcher's you've ever seen, that everything I just said sounds like a lie. Like I've just been watching somebody else's tape this whole time. He looked great in the Matt Semmelsberger fight. He looked like absolute trash, city, hot garbage dumpster fire in his last fight against Ange Lusa. And that was a full camp. So I don't know what the hell happened there, but he's taking on Themba Garimbo, and he's a distant striker. He manages range really well. He picks his shots. He's long for the weight class and uses that length to keep you at bay. He's typically a counter striker, but he will charge forward when he sees his openings. He does have raw power. You'd like to see uh, from a striker, and he can be a bit sloppy when running in. He has solid takedown defense where he widens his base and he makes his opponents carry his weight. So he is not an easy guy to take down, even though he's got those long legs. If I didn't watch AJ's last fight against Angelusa, he would be in the safety parlay. But I did watch that fight, so he's not. He should be able to come in, scoop up those long legs, work on the ground. And the problem is, he looked horrible in his last fight, and there's no way I can trust this guy with my money. I think Themba can have success. It sounds like you have a lisp when you say Themba. I think Themba can have some success if he manages the range well, but I also think that as soon as he charges forward looking to attack, AJ Fletcher's going to drop and shoot. So Themba's takedown defense holds up pretty well with upper body takedowns when he can widen that base, but AJ shoots such clean, fast shots 
it's just a different takedown defense technique to defend shots versus Greco-style takedown. So AJ's going to be the pick. No bets for me here, right? The line is moving. If you're a premium member, you've seen the line movement tracker. The line's moving in a, for AJ, right? He's becoming a wider and wider favorite. My breakdowns, Jacob's breakdowns, are not only about who we pick to win and who we bet on. There's also some, hey, maybe you shouldn't spend your money. We told all of you, do not bet on Zuba. We told all of you, Tyson Pedro should never see one of your parlays. And yes, we picked both of those people to win, so those picks were wrong. But the warnings, we told you to heed our warnings. The warnings were correct. I'm not going to go as far as saying AJ Fletcher's a parlay buster, but if anybody is on this card, he's one of them because he's becoming a larger and larger favorite and people are just going to throw him into their parlays. He should win this fight, absolutely, but he was supposed to win his last fight too. Then we got Ovince St. Prue taking on Felipe Linz. Ovin St. Prue is another tricky guy to break down because he's talented, but he seems to have made some career missteps with weight class changes, some short notice step ups. Style wise, he's a very good striker with power and technique. He also averages a little more than one takedown per fight, but really only wrestles when the opportunity to do so just sort of falls in his lap. He's frustrating to watch because you know how talented he is, but he never seems to let his hands go. It's always one punch at a time and low volume. We talk about his power and his striking a lot, but he actually has more submission wins in the UFC than knockouts. Felipe Linz is also a former heavyweight, like Ovens is, and he's coming off a win at light heavyweight in his debut. He has legit power in his hands that seem to have carried down with him he's got a bjj black belt but he does prefer to hang out inside the pocket and trade or just sort of walk you down with heavy hands he showcases wrestling in his light heavyweight debut in that last fight against marcin prochnia where he had four takedowns and more than a round of control time i think this is going to be a typical saint Prue fight he's going to be the more talented guy but he's going to lose a decision because he was just outworked i see felipe pushing the pace keeping up the volume, potentially working in takedowns as well. Ovens will have his moments, but as we mentioned earlier, he gets gun shy. He loses minutes and then he loses rounds. He averages less than three significant strikes per minute, which is an incredibly low number. Linz is going to be the pick. I don't have a bet here yet. I may grab one. Likely a round line prop will be solid instead of the Linz minus 200-ish money line. I mean, he should win. Linz should absolutely win. He's going to be the pick, but you guys know I'm a little more conservative with my bets than most. Again, if we get gifted a one and a half, I'm going to do the over. Then we got Lena Landsberg taking on Maiwa. Maiwa. Oh my God. I can't talk today. That's like the guy from Big Bang Theory. Myra Bueno Silva. And Lena Landsberg is a very good striker. She's a former Muay Thai world, 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 not national, world champion. She's got solid elbows, knees, and amazing clinch work. She is working on her ground game, which she's going to need because that is a massive hole for her. She's coming off the loss to Carol Rosa where she had a knockdown, showcased the striking, but it was clear she just cannot defend a takedown to save her life, or in this case, save her career. Myra Bueno Silva is a pretty good striker. She's got solid power, good kicks. She likes charging forward and throwing from there. She's a very good grappler as well, but like so many other grapplers, the problem is she doesn't have very good takedowns, right? She doesn't have very good wrestling. So even if she wants you to be on the ground, even if she wants to get you there to grapple, she can struggle to do that. In fact, 
She has four submission wins in the UFC with zero takedowns. She's coming off the win over Stephanie Egger, where again, she was taken down. She did not get a takedown, but she did immediately throw up an armbar and get that win. If Myra had offensive takedowns, I would literally max bet her. I would put the most amount of money that these books would allow me to put on her. Even at minus 400, which is where she's sitting right now, she would be worth that money. But without the guarantee that she can get this to the ground, it is possible. It's unlikely, but it is possible that she's going to have a tough time on her feet and people are going to look at her recent record and assume that Lena sucks because that's what people do. They look at the record, oh, she sucks. But the reality is she is quite literally a world champion striker. And if you let her work on her feet, she can have some success. The pick is still going to be Myra. And if she will ever take anyone down, it is probably going to be Lena. So I think she's going to be safe for parlays and a potentially the safest pick on this card. But damn it, do I wish she can get some takedowns of her own. Then we have Juan Camillo Ronderos taking on Clayton Carpenter. Juan Camillo Ronderos is a fast-paced striker who will throw in combinations and then reset and start over. He's very busy and always throwing something. He's got solid takedown defense as well, where even if he is taken down, he does a pretty good job working back up and never letting his opponents settle in. He isn't just a striker, though, and he can offensively wrestle as well. It's not his go-to, but he is aware enough to use it when he isn't controlling the striking exchanges. He's coming off the scramble submission loss to David Dvorak more than a year ago. Clayton Carpenter is a very slick grappler who will take wild chances hunting for submissions. Just check out his submission win over Nicholas Clem a few years ago. He's a very fast-paced guy who rushes forward and immediately sets that pace. He's always hunting for a finish, and even though he's only 6-0 as a professional, he has a world of competition experience. He has literally been competing all over the world since he was a teenager. I love Clayton in this spot. I absolutely love him in this spot. He can hang on his feet. He can set a relentless pace on the ground. Juan Camillo is an extreme couture guy, so he's going to be well-prepared. But as we have seen him in the past, he's susceptible to takedowns and some control. As long as Clayton does not take unnecessary chances, this should be his spot to shine. He's talented. He's going to match up well with Juan Camillo's layoff. And uh, I think we're going to get a solid payday here. So Clayton Carpenter is absolutely the pick. He's probably safe for parlays as well. But, you know, it's always a little nerve-wracking when you get a UFC debut. Juan Camille, only five professional fights, hasn't fought in a year. So we're good here. Clayton Carpenter, very solid pick on this card. Then we have Nazim Sadikov taking on Evan Elder. Nazim Sadikov is a solid striker. He's got speed and power. He takes his time on his feet to find his openings. He likes to plot forward and counter-strike at the exact same time, which is very interesting. He is patient, but while he's patient, he can occasionally work in the unnecessary spin attack, and that actually led to his one and only professional loss. Evan Elder is a very talented guy who's good everywhere. He's got a loose striking style where he lands heavy leg kicks and solid punching combinations. He's got solid takedowns as well, and when he hits the mat, he stays very composed and will methodically work for control while still managing to land strikes. He's got solid submission defense, which he showcased in his loss to Preston Parsons. If you remember that fight, though, it was short notice and it was at welterweight instead of his natural weight class of lightweight. I think I like Evan Elder here. 
Nazim's going to be the better straight-up striker, but Evan is more well-rounded. I think he's going to be a little faster as well, and we know that he is tough as hell. He can take a shot, and he will keep coming forward. I also expect him to be the bigger guy in the cage, and I'm hoping he will use that size to bully and get some takedowns. One unnecessary spin attack from Nazim, and Evan may pick him up and dump him the same way that he did CJ Hunter. So even, even though it's a little risky, Evan's going to be the pick. I will most likely throw a small money line him at some point. The line's moving. I personally use the premium member line movement tracker to literally see where it's going. It's very easy for me to visually see the biggest movers on the card. I'm going to be watching Evan. If I can get better than plus 145, I'm going to drop, drop on it. If the plus 145 drops down to plus 140 and I see the movement going the other way, then I'm going to jump on it. And that's the way to use the line movement tracker. Spots like this. Somebody I like as an underdog. See if I can get better odds. Oh, it's trending this direction. Let me hit it before it goes too far. Oh, I'm starting to get good odds. Let me just sit tight. Let me sit tight. Now I can hit it. So if you're a premium member, the line movement tracker is available to you today. It is just another feature. We've added the premium membership. It doesn't cost anything. We are never going to tier out our benefits. It's all going to be $10. It's all going to be unlocked all the times. Anybody tiering memberships, that's just a money grab. It's nonsense. It's a money grab. Do not allow people to do that. Do not pay for tiered memberships. $10, unlimited, everything. Just go to wewantpicks.com. At the top, click become a member. We've got like a 10 fight streak coming up. So you're going to get lots of events out of your premium membership. And we've absolutely, absolutely been handing out free cash with the safety parlay. Anyway, Evan Elder's the pick. I personally am going to be watching the line movement tracker and uh, hopefully I'm going to get better odds in plus 145. I will end up having a money line bet on him. Then we got Jim Miller opening up the main card at 59 years old, and he's taking on Alexander Hernandez. Jim Miller's a legend. He's got multiple records in the UFC for longevity. He's a very good grappler. He's got clean boxing. His wrestling is okay. It's not the best, but it's better than a lot of these other grapplers. He has all the veteran savvy. He's tough as hell. It's, he's literally everything you would want from a fighter at his age. He is older. The chin's starting to go. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's somewhat durable still, not you know, not what we would expect, but I mean, Jesus Christ, he's 39. I don't know how many fights he has left in the UFC, but he has managed to put together a nice three-fight win streak, the most recent one being the retirement submission over Donald Cerrone. Alexander Hernandez is always tough to break down because he is very good. He's very well-rounded. He's got a spotty record. He looks like he can be a champ in one fight, then the next fight he goes out there, he's just a complete dub. He's beaten some really good people like Benil Dariush and Francisco Trinaldo, but he also has losses to that like upper mid-level, right? I mean, he's got losses to Moicano, Billy Quarantillo. These are good guys. They're not top three. They're not top five, but they're not low either, right? The upper mid-tier guys are beating Alexander Hernandez. Alex is a solid wrestler, very good athlete. He's got power, speed, but he can struggle to mix in the wrestling, which allows his opponents to settle into a rhythm and pick him apart. And honestly, I'm having a hard time knowing what to do here. I don't know how many times I can look at Alex's talent and then pick him to win only to watch him go out there and get beat. But I also can't be over here picking a slow 39-year-old to beat a young, well-rounded, fast, athletic 30-year-old. It's just so tricky. Jim is basically an older, slower Billy Q. And if he comes out here busy throwing hands, he can have some success. With that being said, I, can, I don't think I can pull the trigger 
on Jim Miller. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pick Alexander to win this fight. He should win. He's younger, faster, stronger, more athletic. He's all the things. But how many times have we seen him be all the things and not get it done? He's going to be the pick. I am saving my money. I can't trust him with my money anymore. And I don't know if you can either. So Hernandez is the pick. I'm going to be full in rooting for Jim Miller. You should as well. This guy's a legend. He's done everything we could ask him to do and more. Then we have Josh Parisian taking on UFC newcomer Jamal Pogues. Josh Parisian is a come forward striker. He's got a ton of output. Last week, I spent a whole bunch of time talking about Parker Porter's output and how he set the significant strike record at heavyweight. Well, Josh Parisian was on the other side of that fight. He set the record with him. And the volume does come at a cost, though. So he's got a ton of volume. Josh Parisian will set a pace. He'll throw a bunch of strikes, but he does gas. And even if he doesn't full-blown gas out hard, he definitely loses the sting on his punches. Josh has 10 knockouts under his belt but hasn't been able to find that power in the UFC. He is coming off the ground and pound win over Alan Badeau, where it's the first time we really saw him push a grappling game plan. Jamal Pose is a busy heavyweight who always seems to be throwing something. He's got solid volume and a decent pace, but not the heavyweight power that you would expect. He can grapple as well. In his first contender series fight, he had seven takedowns. And on the regional scene, he has quite a few as well. He's not particularly dangerous anywhere, but he does set a nice pace and he can work everywhere. This is another tough spot, right? Josh Parisian is a proven entity. We have seen him win volume matches. We have seen him win grappling matches and we have seen him be durable as well. I think Josh is a solid underdog in this spot. The thing that worries me here, though, is his takedown defense. It's a very low 42%. And if Jamal brings the grappling game plan like he did against Brigago, he can have a lot of success here. I'm going to pick Parisian here. I I do like the higher level of competition, right? He's had the harder slate to work with. I don't like that when Jamal strikes, he keeps his head straight up in the air. So, Because of that, Josh Parisian has fought the better people. Jamal strikes with his head up straight in the air. I think Josh Parisian can have some success, touch the chin, get to his face, stay busy. If we're lucky enough to get a one and a half round line, this is another one where I'm probably going to bet the over. Josh Parisian is going to be the pick. I'm not money lining. These are heavyweights. The only time I ever bet on heavyweights is when it's my personal friend or it's a guarantee. This is not a guarantee. Although... Another line movement tracker fight. Josh is continuing to become a larger and larger underdog here. I don't think it's ever going to be enough for me to bet him per se. I'll never say never, but, you know, keep an eye on it. If you're on his side or Jamal's side, the movement is important to you either direction. Then we have the very talented yet very disappointing William Knight taking on Marcin Prochnia. William Knight is stupid strong. He's athletic. He's fast. He's powerful but he's not very good. He's never going to be the tallest guy in the division, but I imagine he's still going to have the insane power. He's going to be the fastest, one of the hardest hitting guys in this division. Technique-wise, he's a heavy-handed striker. He's got decent wrestling. He's got decent cardio. He averages more than two takedowns per fight, but only has a 44% takedown accuracy and a 48% takedown defense. He's coming off the loss to Devin Clark, where he had some early success, but then he was stopped in the third. Marcin Prochnow was was past tensed a big time prospect 
who came into the UFC undefeated, but then he dropped three fights in a row by first round knockout. He has 400 combat karate wins and an insanely long list of accomplishments. His MMA style, though, is more of a technical brawler who has no problem getting into a firefight. The issue, however, is that his chin cannot sustain that style of fighting. He does have incredible power, but he can be KO or bust. He's coming off the loss to Felipe Lins, where he was taken down four times, but landed more total and significant strikes. On paper, this should be William Knight all day, right? He can wrestle, and we just saw Prochniow lose with takedowns. He has power, and we've seen Prochniow be knocked out three times in the first round. I cannot trust William Knight. This is not a guy that I can trust. The dude missed weight by 12 pounds a few fights ago. Then he got all dramatic, made a million excuses, started talking, I'm going to heavyweight, nobody believes in me, made his Instagram private, just real like mental midget stuff going on. And I'm not going to tell him this in real life. So luckily I don't live in Connecticut anymore. I now live in Texas. So I'm not going to be bumping into William Knight at Costco. And I'm being overly harsh here, but I, I can't trust the guy. I can't trust him to win this fight. I can't trust him to go out there. All he needs to do is stay composed, stay tight, and fire away inside the pocket, and he could put Marcin Prochniao away. I can't trust him to do that. I'm picking Marcin Prochniao. I have a one-unit bet on him. Slight favorite money. The line's moved a little bit. Slight favorite money on him. I, I get it. I get it. Dude's been knocked out three times in the first round. William Knight, that's what he does. Probably a terrible bet. I just cannot trust this guy based on what he's done on social media, what, every excuse he's ever had, missing weight by 12 pounds, having flashes, and then just folding. I cannot trust this guy. Every fight he goes out there, it's almost like he's getting worse. This is the harshest breakdown I've done in a very long time. And I used to be very, very high on William Knight. Very high on him. But he's just disappointed as of late. Marcin Prochniao is the pick. One unit money line bet on him. Don't tail that bet. I mean, if it hits... It's going to be in the stats, and I'm going to tell you I gave you profit. It's definitely the riskiest money line bet I've done in a very long time, especially at a full unit. Then we have Zach Pauga taking on Jordan Wright. Zach Pauga is a light heavyweight who moved up to heavyweight for the opportunity on the Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter's over. He lost in the finale. And now he's back down to light heavyweight where he belongs. Zach's a very strong wrestler who does not hide his game plan. He's got a low stance where he pumps the jab, he launches overhands, and then he takes shots. If his opponents overcommit in the striking, he's going to immediately duck under it and start wrestling. He can stand and bang as well, but that is definitely what got him trouble in his last fight and not what he should be doing. Jordan Wright is a rangy karate-style striker with a 100% finish rate, both in his wins and his losses. He's got big power and is obviously looking for a finish. His in-and-out karate style works well for him where he strikes both on the entries and the exits. He does not have much wrestling defense, or sorry, offense, but he has incredible wrestling defense. He's tricky on the ground and in scrambles. He's coming off yet another TKO loss to Dusko Todorovic where for the second fight in a row, he came out with a grappling heavy game plan it's almost like he's aware, and this is what fighters should do, right? He's aware that his chin isn't what it should be for his striking style, so he's trying to evolve into a grappler. And you got to go Pagua here, right? You, you have to. He can wrestle, he can hit hard, and he can set a pace. Outside of the KO loss to a very big heavyweight in his last fight, he has proven to be durable. 
The new Jordan likes to wrestle, and I don't see him out wrestling the bigger and better Pauga, which means he's either taken down or stuff swinging wild. So Pauga's the pick. Honestly, the value is going to be inside the distance. I am not, I'm more of a money line bet guy. I'm not typically a, oh, this guy by stoppage, this guy by, you know, because then yes, you're going to get better odds, but it's riskier. That's why the odds are better. Pauga's probably a safe win inside the distance kind of guy. And just because that's literally how Jordan Wright loses his fight. So if you think Pauga's going to win, well, then he's going to win by stoppage. Then we have the new main event of the evening. We now have Jessica Andrade taking on Aaron Blanchfield. Jessica Andrade stepped up on one week's notice. We found out last night during UFC 284 that Tyler Santos is out and Jessica Andrade is in. She just fought at UFC 283. She did a full 15-minute fight, but she beat the piss out of Lauren Murphy. It was one of the largest destructions in the history of women's MMA. Just absolutely beat the brakes off of her bell to bell. She's a former world champion. She's a contender at multiple weight classes. She's beaten some of the best women on the planet. She has lost to some of the best women on the planet, but only to some of the best women on the planet. She has not gone out there and lost to a mid-level, upper mid-level kind of fighter. She has only lost to champions, former champions, and contenders. Jessica Andrade has that bully style. She'll come forward. She'll fight inside the pocket. She'll pick you apart. She'll toss you on the ground. The Lauren Murphy, she showed off her actual striking technique. Typically, we don't see a lot of technique out of her. Typically, we see her pushing, bombing away, powerful fighting, right? We don't really see clean technique. She looked clean and then solid technique against Lauren Murphy. She can grapple. She can strike. She can wrestle. She can do all the things. She's fighting Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield is a nasty grappler who also has got some decent striking. She uses her wrestling to get on top. She works her grappling from there. And that is the clearest path to victory she will ever have. She's very young. She's still cleaning things up but she is improving quickly and can be a contender if she wins this fight. If she beats Jessica Andrade, we have to start talking about Aaron Blanchfield getting a title shot. We have to. She's averaging almost six significant strikes per minute and four takedowns per fight. She's coming off that dominant win over Molly McCann where she only needed one takedown to get it done. But before that, and this is a very important but, But before that, she had the win over J.J. Aldrich where she went 0 for 4 on takedown attempts. She did manage to get the submission, but Jessica Andrade is not J.J. Aldrich. So Jessica Andrade is the pick here. The short notice worries me a bit. That's probably why there was line movement. I mentioned the line movement tracker. Andrade opened at a minus 190 last night. We're, We're 12 hours removed from when we found out, and now she's a minus 150. I put one and a half units at minus 150 to win one unit. If I, you know, how could I not trust Jessica Andrade at this point? The cardio might be a concern. You know, she just fought a few weeks ago. And typically what happens is after the fight, after a win like that, you take a little time off. You relax. You have some drinks. You eat. You're not immediately in the gym. I don't know Jessica's like training regimen. If she's a gym rat, I don't know any of that. But I do know she's got all the technique, all the power, All the experience, Aaron Blanchfield, we're going to find out how good she is. Her jujitsu is phenomenal. Can she get the takedowns? Andrade has decent takedown defense. 
Andrade hits hard as shit. Andrade is strong as shit. Andrade, I think she's a BJJ black belt. If she's not a black belt, she's got very good jujitsu. Jessica Andrade should beat Aaron Blanchfield. I have a money line bet on her at minus 150. Let me know what you think and if you think the short notice is going to matter in this fight. Guys, become a premium member. It is only $10 a month. $10 a month. And with 100% sincerity, we appreciate every single one of you. We have over 1,500 premium members. We have been doing the best we can to give you profit, to give you picks, to give you engaging content, to give you new features and new functionality like the line movement tracker, like the DFS cheat sheets. We have cheat sheets with incredible proprietary DFS statistics like leverage that you can use to build winning DraftKings and winning FanDuel lineups. And we have the lineup optimizer that will build DraftKings lineups for you. It's all only $10 a month. And if you want $50, just go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners using my link. Make a deposit. I send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It's that simple. Basically, I give you five months of premium membership. All you need to do is use the link, make the deposit, and then I'll send you some money. Wewantpicks.com for everything that you need. Thank you very much. Do all the things, like, subscribe. Let me know in the comments what you think about this week's card.